Hello, believers. This is Dr. Shantae, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast about faith and wellness, loving God, and living well. And so we find ourselves in the middle of a three-part series about battling loneliness. And so if you are coming to this podcast for the first time and you're hearing this episode, there is a part one to this episode. So make sure that you circle back and take a listen to that. Also, I want to thank those of you that have been sharing this podcast on social media. Thank you for those of you that have left reviews for the podcast. And I really want to emphasize how important that is. You know, right now we do a lot of what's called kind of hashtag activism, right? Like hashtag Black Lives Matter, hashtag Black Voices Matter. And that is important. At the same time, it doesn't necessarily have the same impact as when you directly take the time to amplify someone's voice or someone's show or someone's platform. And so I specifically want to ask those of you that are able to please, because I know that a bulk of my listeners utilize Apple Podcasts that shows up in my analytics. So for those of you that listen consistently on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to ask that you take a moment and please rate and review the podcast specifically because it helps uh, change the algorithm and make it more visible for other people to be able to engage with this content. And it's free of charge. All it's going to cost you is, you know, 30 seconds to a minute to do that. And that greatly boosts and supports the show. So as we find ourselves in the middle of the loneliness series, I want to thank the listeners that participated in last week's Zoom support group. So something that I announced in the first part of this series is that for the next several weeks, I will be hosting weekly support sessions on Zoom to just kind of unpack some of the things that we've been experiencing during this pandemic. Those things range from loneliness to anxiety to depression to concerns about family, utilizing a lot of bandwidth. Uh, Some of that is guilt, you know, for not being able to be there for family members, you know, in a caregiving role, like maybe we're used to being. And so there's just a lot there to unpack. And so if you want to participate in that group, make sure that you either email me. So Shante at believing bigger or info at believing bigger. You can also reach out to me via social media. So at Dr. Shante says, and make sure that you get a link to the session, which happens on Thursday evenings. So let's circle back to the topic at hand, battling loneliness. And I want to remind people of our guiding scripture, Matthew 18, 12 through 14, which says, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And this is also the scripture that is being used for Black Lives Matter uh, from a, a Christian perspective, that if there is a sheep that is lost or that is at risk of being hurt, then the shepherd goes looking for that sheep, you know, even though quote unquote, all sheep matter, the shepherd still cares enough about the one who's lost to go after that sheep and make sure that it's brought back into the fold. Uh, Verse 13 says, and if he finds it, truly, I tell you, he rejoices more over that one sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. And so last week, we talked about how loneliness from a physical, physiological standpoint, can be more detrimental to your health than obesity, which is a serious illness and disease. But today we're going to be focusing on these three areas, hiding in plain sight, you're not alone, and winning the battle. So just to remind you guys, 
loneliness is defined as a gap between the human connections that you need and the social connections that you have. And one of the things that facilitates loneliness is failure. So I didn't bring this up in the last episode, but this is one of the things that compounds loneliness is feelings of failure or inadequacy. So when your heart is set on something and you experience a major setback, it can devastate you. It can devastate you to the point of emotional debilitation. So to devastate means to ruin or to destroy. It can also mean experiencing overwhelming shock and grief. And emotional devastation happens to many of us. It happens in relationships. It happens on the job. It happens with our career and entrepreneurial pursuits. Like emotional devastation can happen in so many areas of our lives. It happens with family. And unfortunately, when it happens, we tend to default to our conditioning, which for many of us is to carry it and bury it, you know, just bury it, move on, act like it didn't happen and just try to to soldier forward without actually taking the time to deal with the grief and the emotions of what has happened. And I realized that this came up for me. So my loneliness experience came as a result of a few failures. So one of those you can hear about on the Believing Bigger podcast. It's the episode called Good Grief. And that was a hard episode. I literally had had to pull it together. And I cried, literally cried tears and sniffled my way through that episode. But I got so much support after it aired and so many emails and text messages saying, oh my God, you know, this helped me so much. And I'm right there with you. And I totally understand everything that you're going through. I was emotionally devastated. And before that, a few years ago, I had an experience in my business, in my uh, branding and coaching business. And it just, to say it was a setback would be an understatement. It was just so unexpected and emotionally devastating and draining. And it shook me to my core. It really shook me to my core and it made me question myself and it made me question my gifts and it made me question my calling and it made me question God. And I, it just, it debilitated me and it hurt me so much that until very recently, I did not realize what I had been doing, which was hiding in plain sight. So Sometimes when we go into deep grief or we go into or experience emotional devastation, we can bury it and compartmentalize it so that we don't have to deal with it in the moment because we still have to function. Many of us are high functioning fill in the blank. So high functioning people with anxiety or high functioning people with depression or high functioning people with, you know, other challenges And so we, I had compartmentalized it so that I could continue to function. But after that experience, that setback in my business, I was going through severe imposter syndrome. And as a result of that, I went into hiding, meaning I was still showing up, you know, but I wasn't really leaning in. I stopped investing my emotional capital I was going through the motions of what I was supposed to be doing, 
you know, posting on social media and sending things out to my newsletter. But on the inside, like a part of me had just been stunned. Okay. Like I had, I had stopped functioning. There was a part of me that was grieving. And after a while of doing this, it really kind of started to take hold. And I was doing the bare minimum, you know, keeping up this pretense that I was all in when the truth of the matter is I had checked out. And I wonder how many of you can relate to that where you experience something hurtful and painful and devastating or embarrassing, or you put all your eggs in this basket of, you know, whether it was relationship or business or some dream that you had. And then when it doesn't pan out or something comes out of nowhere and blows it out of the water that you hurt from it, but still kind of force your way through functioning, you know, you become this high functioning person where, you know, you're still showing up and it looks on the surface, like everything is cool, but deep down, you know, that it's not cool. I think that happens to a lot of us. We fake fine. We fake the funk. We show up, we put on a brave face, but let's revisit the de- the definition of devastation. Devastation is overwhelming shock and grief. Shock is defined as an unexpected surprise and upset. So when you think about how this relates to loneliness, if you experience emotional devastation and you are in grief about it and you're reeling from this surprise or this unplanned disruption in your life and you're upset, one of the most common ways to cope with that is withdrawal. And I think a lot of us do that. We withdraw. So when you think about it, one of the things that makes suicide so egregious is the belief by friends and family that everything is fine. This kind of shock because nobody saw it coming. And one of the reasons is because we've become very adept at emotional people pleasing. We train ourselves not to burden other people with our problems. And so we compartmentalize and we perform and we grieve in private. And it is in those private moments that the enemy sees an opening to pollute our thoughts and compound our grief. Because we feel like if, if you think about anybody or you has ever been in a position and said something like, I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. I can't go there. I can't talk about it. That means that that has been compartmentalized, like it has been put in a box. It hasn't been dealt with, but it's been put someplace and it's been locked away so that I can function in other areas of my life. And I can tell you from experience, it may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow, but trust and believe that is going to catch up with you when you don't address it. At some point, it is going to manifest itself in some toxic ways. And one of the things that I want to do kind of like a, a later term goal with this podcast is start to create some real communities around these types of issues. Not, I don't want it to be like this sad pity partying group, but one of the things that I've started to notice is that we have gotten into this toxic pattern of there's this belief that, oh, if I saw Jessica post something about her dog or I saw Jessica post something about her experience at Disneyland, if I saw Jessica post something about being on vacation, then we assume that Jessica is okay. 
because she's posting on Facebook or she's posting on social media. And the truth of the matter is you don't know what's going on in Jessica's life. You don't know how Jessica is doing. You, you just, you don't know. And so many of us, if you think about it, how many of you are posting and hashtagging and posting funny videos or memes or, or relevant content media like, ooh, listen to this, watch this. But none of that is a reflection of how you're really doing. And so what it creates is this false sense of belief that, oh, I know what's going on with so-and-so because they're posting when the truth of the matter is you really don't have any idea what's going on. And then when something happens in your life that's hard and something happens in your life that's difficult and something happens in your life that's challenging, you realize that those surface level digital connections are just not going to cut the mustard. And so, like I said, later down the line, one of the things that I want to do is kind of grow this community to the point where we start to have little subsets of life groups, which is a concept I'll explain way later because we don't have time to do it in the podcast today. But the smaller subset of groups that kind of use the Bible as a springboard and a platform to which to engage, but people that are at similar places in their lives where they can have genuine human connections instead of all this faking fine and, and funk faking that we do on social media. But I digress. So one of the things that I've been researching, especially in preparation for this episode, is something that caught my eye, which was COVID suicide. So one of the things that is popping up right now is COVID related suicide. And when you think about it, like we said, shock, overwhelm, devastation and grief, right? So when you think about it, COVID is a disease that was a surprise and it was a shock to everyone. It's something that we really didn't see coming. It's something we weren't prepared for. And it was compounded by job loss and isolation. So, so many people that were banking on money from events, so many people that were banking on money from things that usually happen in the regular cycle of of summer festivals and concerts and conferences and things like that, they lost their jobs essentially. So things that they were counting on no longer were available. And not only have people lost their jobs, but COVID meant that you had lost access to family and friends and communities and income. And so when you think about all of those things taken together, it is a recipe for some severe mental health challenges and struggles. And so feelings of being forgotten or forsaken or cast aside can do some lasting damage if we do not intentionally focus on our patterns of thinking and interaction with other people during this time. And so one of the things that I want to challenge you all to do is think about your patterns of thinking. How have you been feeling during this pandemic? How have you been coping? What are some of the things that you have have turned to? And are any of those things destructive or toxic or something that if it continues could be detrimental down the road? So it's one of those things that we need to pay attention to, which brings us to you are not alone. So Psalms 25, 16 through 21. So this is a Psalm of David. King David says, turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, O Lord, is in you. 
So David is an intentional choice here. I chose him because the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. He was the king of Israel. He was chosen. He was anointed by God. He was rich. He was famous. And yet, if you read the book of Psalms, many of which he wrote, he puts his mental health and emotional issues right out on display. And he often vacillated. So he often swung back and forth between being at peace with God and praises of God and feeling emotional distress. He had enemies. He had imposter syndrome. Read Psalms 8. Uh, He had bad kids. He made bad choices. And no matter his plight, he always returned to God. And so when you think about David, the king of Israel, he had people at his beck and call. He had the favor of the Lord. And even he experienced loneliness and grief. Jesus, the son of the living God said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cut pass from me. Jesus had a tough assignment coming down here to die for the sins of the world, literally the weight of the world on his shoulders and in his humanity, he cried out to God in grief. You know, my God, my God, or why hast thou forsaken me? These men, David, Jesus, they knew what it meant to have great power, great power, and yet experience deep heartache and despair. And I think too often we feel like, oh, well, if I had more money, if I had more riches, if I had a bigger house, if I had a boo, if I had, you know, if, 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 then I wouldn't feel this way. But the truth is, there is no amount of money that is going to exempt you from humanity, period. You are a human being and there is no money that is going to exempt you from the full range of human experiences. And if you question that or wonder about that, just look at the tragic stories of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. But here's the key difference between what David and Jesus did versus what I believe many of us have a tendency to do. So anytime they were in anguish or despair or grief, they turned toward God, okay? while many of us turn away. So when I talked about this notion of withdrawal, withdrawal doesn't just happen with people. It happens with God as well. We turn away from God as well, especially when we're feeling hurt or experiencing failure. We tend to think, well, God let this happen. So I can't depend on him either. And that's the kind of thinking that should send up a red flag that the weapon formed against you is starting to prosper, that the weapon formed against you is starting to bear fruit. The Bible says that the enemy comes but to steal, kill and destroy. And his number one target, number one target to steal, kill and destroy is your faith in God. And so, as I said in the first episode, we always have to be mindful that spiritual warfare is always in play. It's it's an ever present cloud kind of hanging over our life and lived experiences. And so a lot of the hardship or a lot of the heartbreak or heartache or things that we experience in some way, shape or form is tied to a spiritual struggle. And a lot of those struggles can make people want to tap out on their faith. And so instead of turning to God, you know, we turn to other pain relievers, alcohol, uh, substances, vacations, any sort of pleasure seeking to numb the pain and fill the void. 
And what you eventually learn is that none of it really satisfies. None of it really quite does the trick. Uh, None of it lasts. And lasting, sustainable, practical, actionable coping mechanisms and strategies is what we want to use to try to combat these feelings of loneliness, which brings us to winning the battle. So winning the battle pretty much comes down to like these three strategies or approaches. And the first being to connect with God. Think about that word connect. Okay. So it means to link up to, to get up under to, to latch yourself onto, to connect with God. And you can do that through reading scripture or prayer, uh, participating in you know worship. Or like I said, you know, if you have a life group or small group, you know, where you guys can connect virtually over things of the Lord, you know, but connect to God. And the reason why you need to do that is because a lot of times we try to like sidestep that piece. You know, we, we don't want to turn to God or sometimes in our loneliness or in our anxiety or in our whatever, we've done things that we know God probably wouldn't be too pleased with. And so we're a little bit reluctant to have that conversation with him, but God is always ready for reconciliation, always ready for reconciliation. He's kind of like the dad in the story of the prodigal son. So the prodigal son had done all this shadiness out in the world and was kind of dragging his feet coming home and looking like, dang, you know, I know I really messed up and I could barely look this man in the eye. And the Bible says that when his father saw him afar off, meaning when he saw his son and recognized him a few blocks away, he ran to him and embraced him. And that is what God is always willing to do for us to run to us and embrace us. And so the first step is to connect to God and to to pour your heart out to him. It's not like he doesn't know, but in doing that, you are recognizing that he is there and that he specifically is there for you. Uh, The second thing you want to do is connect with fellow believers. And so this is the sheep. Not only do they need a shepherd, but there's this kind of notion of safety in numbers. Being in isolation can be a very dangerous place. And so we've been saying practice social distancing, but really we need to say practice physical distancing, but not social distancing. And so for the people that have been thriving during this pandemic because they are connecting weekly on virtual Zoom meetings or they're having karaoke or they're having happy hours, you know, whatever. They are are connecting with their friends, their family, their peers in a way that is positive, healthy, and productive. And the reason why I encourage you to connect with other believers is because what they're going to do is reinforce the dynamic and the the practice of you turning back to God. The Bible says where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. And so being able to connect with other believers who will be in agreement with your path to integrate God into your mental health coping strategy is going to be beneficial for you to, to strengthen that bond and to further you down that path. And then the third thing is reaching out to people in service. So sometimes when we are having our pity parties and we're experiencing what I call first world problems, you know, because the truth of the matter is things can be a lot worse in so many ways. But when we reach out to people in service, sometimes we need to see that our suffering is contextual, right? 
it, I remember, what was that saying uh, that I grew up hearing? I complained about not having any shoes until I saw the man with no feet, you know, that sort of thing. So our suffering is contextual. It's not that it's not important or that it's unimportant, but there are several other ways that suffering exists. And serving the needs of other people, people who don't have basic necessities or might be trying to escape things like abuse or what the Bible would consider the quote unquote, the least of them is a way to gain some perspective and not let the grief of loneliness consume you. So one other strategy that I want to offer, and again, this is time bound. So if you come and you hear this podcast three years from now, Uh, The opportunity to connect on a Zoom group will have passed you by. But as a bonus, I do want to, again, extend that invitation for you to join me and some of the other listeners on Zoom. And again, just start to unpack some of these things. Sometimes just getting it out, getting it off your chest gives you some breathing room and it just gives you some, it restores some of the bandwidth that you have expended during this pandemic. And so for the next few weeks, that's going to be available. And if you want to have access to that, just shoot me an email, uh, info at believingbigger.com or hit me up at Dr. Shante says, you can just send me a message. And I thought about just posting the link, right? You know, just post the link or send it out to my email list. But the thing is, when you're talking about a support group, size matters. Okay. So Having 40, 50 people on a one hour call is not productive or effective and it doesn't give everybody a chance to speak. So if you want to participate in this week's group, just shoot me an email, hit me up on social media. And next week, we are going to invite a clinical perspective to talk about these feelings of loneliness and what are some of the the clinical perspectives that we can benefit from with respect to this issue and some practical ways to cope. And so if you want to continue supporting this podcast, please share it with friends, family, uh, link it on social media. Please go to Apple Podcasts for those of you who listen on Apple and uh, Apple devices and review and rate this podcast. And as always, you can drop a dollar on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com forward slash Dr. Shantae, you can donate. And what that does is it basically keeps the lights on. So paying for things like audio storage and um, editing software and all of those things that kind of work behind the scenes to kind of keep this podcast in motion would be helpful as well. So if you have any questions, comments, takeaways, hit me up at Dr. Shante says, and I will see you in part three of our series.